Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Reggie Hodges. He's a former punter in the NFL. He's now a speaker, has a new book coming out, which you're going to hear all about, called Thrive. He lives in the Cleveland area. He's married. They have three kids. But more than that, just an incredible man of God, incredible man of character, and just passionate to make Jesus known. So I cannot wait for you to hear from him. So let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Reggie. Yeah, honored to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. I like to start these off with some background information. So if you don't mind, just tell the listeners a little bit about um, who who you are, maybe where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and then, you know, give us a little glimpse into your family today. Yeah, Reggie Hodges here, um, eight-year NFL veteran. Um, I retired in 2012, played, uh, got to play eight years. Um, very, very blessed to do so. I'm from Champaign, Illinois, um, about an hour and a half south of Chicago. Um, mom and dad, brother and sister, I'm the, I'm the middle child. Um, had, a, had a great childhood growing up, two loving Christian parents and a great support system uh, for me to, to, to be able to attack my dreams kind of thing. So uh, really, really good childhood and love my family growing up. Uh, now I'm in the Cleveland area. I'm outside of Cleveland in Akron. Got a wife, Erin, and three kids, Christian, Charlie, and Champ, um, 13, 11, and 5. So we're, we're full on in the teenage years and still out of the toddler years. So we're uh, enjoying life right now. That's a, that's a lot going on in that house. Yes. Very <laughs> Yeah, that's fun though. That's 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 some fun times. So you mentioned um, growing up in a you know a, a strong Christian family. So, at what point did you make that a personal relationship with Jesus? I mean, because you can't obviously, you know, it's it's not your parents' faith that you were. So when, when did it become personal for you? Yeah, I got I got baptized when I was nine. Um, went to a, a, a Baptist church in Champaign called Temple Baptist Church and. I'll never forget the uh, pastor was given the altar call and um, was asking those who wanted to receive Christ into their life to, to pray and to slip a hand up kind of thing. Um, and I looked over at my mom and I was like, I think I feel something. I, you know, I think this is, I think I'm supposed to do this. And she said, honey, please do. <laughs> uh. So, so I, 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 I was scared and nervous, walked up to the, to the front of the church and, I shook the pastor's hand and, you know, um, next week I was baptized um, and then just went on um, kind of like trying to learn and trying to trying to love the Lord and these kind of things and grow up, you know, you, you stay connected to him and sometimes the culture gets in, culture gets in the mix. So that kind of thing. So we had that kind of classic Christian battle um, when I was a young believer. So when I was nine years old is when I got baptized. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and we'll get back to faith here, here in a minute, but I, I want to ask you, um, about some sports you talked about playing in the NFL. Um, we'll start at college. So you played college football at Ball State University. So talk about the recruiting process and the journey to Ball State, especially as a punter. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't, I wasn't just a punter. I played, I played some quarterback. Um, obviously I kicked, um, and, so I was a decent athlete, and I just kind of like fell into punting. Um, my my high school coach was a um, a former special teams coach for the Buffalo Bills, 
and kind of saw some talent and really helped me and gave me the the correct start um, to, you know, learn the skill of putting and kicking. Um, but yeah, it was kind of one of those things where like, let, let's find out who can do it. And I ended up being the guy who could do it the best and um, kind of ran with it. But um, I think my, my sophomore year started to, to really click. I, you know, we had a, a playoff game in, up near Chicago and I hit a couple huge punts that were, you know, 60, 70 yard balls and um, kind of gained some attention and the, the letters started to come from, you know, everywhere. The, all the Big Ten schools, some of the um, some of the Big Twelve schools, and out in the out in the ACC and Pac Ten also. Um, so <clears throat> it just started to kind of snowball a little bit. Coaches started to come around, and um, I just continued to to try to work at it and try to get better. My, my coach was phenomenal. It set me up with a, a kicking plan every summer and, and really taught me how. I was never the guy that went to all the camps and the you know spotlight camps and the come see me camps. I didn't have to do all that. Um, so I was fortunate in that regard. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of attacked it and kind of went for it. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately I had the, fortunately and unfortunately, um, I didn't, I didn't take school as seriously as I should have. Um, my talent put me in a, in a place where I could have gone anywhere. Um, and mm. it was, a Ball State was the only school that stuck around to see if my clearinghouse and my, uh, my grade point average and all those things were going to line up to where I could get into a school. So uh, scholarship after scholarship fell off the table um, and Ball State stuck around till kind of the wee hours of, of my senior year um, in high school to, to get into school. So super thankful for the coach Lynch at, at Ball State and everybody there that were, were patient and, and saw the saw the value in having me on campus and went in there with the right attitude and ended up um, doing pretty well there. I was going to say, it, 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 it did go well because you end up getting drafted in the sixth round in the NFL draft by the Rams. So talk about what it's like going through the, the draft process uh, leading up to and then just getting that phone call. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting process because, uh, you know, punters, punters and kickers, you know, keep two or three go a year maybe. Um, and I, I was invited to the combine um, and performed really well there. Um, there was one other guy that was, um, he was better than me. He's playing, he's still playing. His name is Dustin Colquitt um, mm. for the Chiefs. He's phenomenal. He's a great friend of mine and a strong Christian guy. And man, he is a phenomenal punter. I I, I hope he goes down as, as, as one of the best. Um, so it was him and I who kind of stole the show at the combine and pretty sure that he was going to get drafted. Uh, he was, you know, he's just, he's just that good kind of thing. And I, and I competed well and had a great day against him. Um, and wound it up and wound up getting drafted also, but the, the process was, it was, it was tough. It was slow, um, with really, really exciting moments and then lots of downtime. Um, there's not a lot of communication, like the coaches after, after the combine leading up to the draft, the coaches would call the night before and say, Hey, we're going to come work you out and you know, you better be ready kind of thing. So, um, it, it was, it was, it was good that it was, it was stressful, but good, um, tough because I was in Muncie, Indiana, um, and that's an area that's pretty cold in February, March. So we're outside. Um, I, re I remember working out for the, the Jets and the Rams um, on a day that it was 40 mile an hour winds and 22 degrees, and we're outside 
just trying to get something done. And, and the ball wouldn't cooperate and the weather wouldn't cooperate and the coaches were cold. And it was kind of one of those, like, it was a, it was a rough, rough day. Um, but luckily the Rams saw um, enough to, enough of what they wanted to see out of me in that day to, to make the decision to draft. So um, I, was, I was at home when uh, the draft was going on. The, the gentleman I talked about previously, Dustin, got drafted in the, in the third round on the first on the first day. So I was like, okay, one punter's off the board. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe I'll get a shot. Um, and we're sitting there in the in the late in the, or in the middle of the sixth round, um, and the Miami Dolphins call me and say, hey, hey, Reg, we've got the the second pick in the seventh round. If you're if you're still available, we're going to mm-hmm. take you. And I said, okay, great. You know, I told my mom and told my dad and my. Uh, my my girlfriend, but now wife was there, and we were, we were excited, thinking that we were going to head to Miami. And um, three or four picks before that, at the end of the sixth round, uh, uh, the Rams called. Mike Marks called and said, "Hey, Reg, we just selected you." So Miami was out the door, and I'm I'm in St. Louis, and I was extremely excited to one of the few and fortunate guys to get the punt in the dome uh, my rookie year, which is very very helpful. Um, but yeah, it was it was an exciting day. Um, mom and dad were thrilled, you know, to kind of have 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 their son solidified as, you know, going to be. This is what I'm going to do for my the beginning of my adult life. And it, we were just, it was just a, it was a joyous occasion. It was really really special. I got to share that with 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 my family. It was um, it was just a great time. I, I, it's one of those days I'll never forget. That's awesome. I love that. I love that story, especially you know I've known a couple guys that have been told one thing and then it doesn't happen, right? You know, the phone never rings. So I think that's pretty cool when you're told you're expecting seventh round and you come before. Um, a lot of times it's the other way around. Yeah, you know, so yeah. that's very, very fortunate. Yeah. So, I mean, eight years in the NFL um, is is pretty remarkable. Um, I think, I, you know, in preparing for this, I think um, I believe you still hold at least a one record. Yeah, I do. So talk about talk about that for a minute. I, I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's really random. Uh, so I own the, the the record for the longest run by a punter <laughs> in NFL history. It was, <laughs> I, I think to I think to this day, I might have the longest or the yards per carry number one all time in the NFL. My one rush for sixty eight yards. I think that might still be number one. Kind of funny. Wow. Um, so- but we just we, the, the play was the play was designed perfectly. Um, the strength, of, or I'm sorry, the special teams coach Brad Seeley had a great plan. We were playing a, a very very fundamentally sound team in the New Orleans Saints, and those guys were good. Um, they did their jobs well, and we kind of took advantage of that. You know, they put six in the box, and they were heavy man to man. So wherever our guys were going, that's where they were going. They were just coached that well. So. Um, Coach Seeley decided that we're just going to take our guys, take a drop, and then run to the sidelines. And there should be an enormous hole, and that's exactly what happened. So um, it was a Red Sea moment, um, and, I, and I took off and made a, did my best to score. Didn't quite get there, but it was a really fun play. I'll never forget it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't go read all the details of the play. I saw the longest run, and so I thought, you know what, that is, I just want to hear the story. Um, instead of reading about it, that's pretty cool. So what would you say in your NFL career would be a, maybe your greatest accomplishment? That's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a heavy relational guy, um, and, I, and I believe so. I've, I've had some really formative friendships that came out of the league. 
um, people that the people that I'll, that have encouraged me, and I've been able to encourage them for since we've been playing. Um, and that's that's really the greatest accomplishment. It was like I, I went in there and I, I maxed out my potential. I did everything that I could do on the football side, and I earned some really good relationships with coaches, with with teammates, with you know grounds crew guys, with you know equipment managers, these kind of things. So we've got a the, the network of, of people that I earned. Um, and those, some of those relationships I'll never, I'll never forget. Um, and those are, those are life giving today. So the football side of things was really, really fun. And it was also temporary, right? But these relationships that I that I've developed, they're going to be lifelong friendships. That's a good perspective. You know, a lot of people look at the NFL, um, from the outside looking in and they see the money, um, you know, they see the stuff. So to the average person, it's a pretty glamorous lifestyle. But um, talk about the pressures of playing in the NFL. And I can only imagine, you know, it's probably even more pressure on a special teams guy, you know, because you're not on the field all the time. So when you are, it's got to count. Yeah, it's and just, to, just to get one of those jobs um, is, is really, really challenging. There's one of 32 in the world, right? There's, there's only 32 punt, There's only 32 NFL teams. And one punter on each team, so um, getting in is extremely hard. There's got to be a whole lot of talent and hard work and skill, and timing's got to go into it. Um, but with that being said, you, once you get in there, there's there's a very very high expectation because um, there might be only 32 playing, but there's probably 40 guys that are capable. Mm. So to get in and stay in, you, you got to be sharp and you've got to be on it. You, you don't get to miss. There's I mean, you get six opportunities. Uh, Played in Cleveland, we got a few more than that every now and again. Um, <laughs> but your your opportunities don't come um, as often. You know, you know, a, a field player, a linebacker can get you know 40, 50 plays and misses three, misses four. You know, he can still grade out and have a decent day. I missed three out of mine. I'm, I'm not 50, percent and I had a really, really bad day. So um, the the pressure involved with just the performance aspect of it's pretty challenging. But it also takes a, a whole lot of mental fortitude to be able to perform at that level on command, wind, snow, rain, whatever comes um, to be able to execute there. So that's the that's the biggest on the field pressure um, is like, how do you perform when you have to all the time? There's no there's, there's no off plays. There's no off days. We just don't get that out of our position. We'll never get we never get praised for a really good game. But if we have a bad game, we can, we, you know, we can, <laughs> we can affect it pretty uh, pretty drastically. So right. a lot of pressure goes into it and that's okay. Um, I think most of the guys, um, most of the guys are built for it mentally to be able to withstand um, and stuff. I mean, I got, I, I got cut seven times. Um, wow. it, it wasn't pretty all the time when I was trying, as I was trying to figure it out. Um, I went from the, I went from the Rams to the Eagles, to the Colts, to the pay, you know, to the Colts, to the Seahawks, to the Patriots, to the Jets, to the Titans. And then to and then to the Browns, um, so the Jets were in there somewhere. Um, so um, fortunately, fortunately, um, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of grace given given by t- the talents there. Um, but some guys get one shot and it's over. Um, I was fortunate that a lot of teams were patient with me and saw some value that they you know they decided to continue to to try with me as I was figuring out as a young player. And then once I figured it out, 
You know, I, I figured out how to how to do it on command, how to do it in equations and just get the job done fourth quarter, backed up, whatever the scenario was going to be. Um, I, I felt so um, I was able to, 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 to hang in there and, and get eight years out of it. But um, the pressure to perform is really, really high. Um, and the expectations come with that. So that's just part of being in one of the big, big biggest businesses in the world. Um, and I was just kind of part of the field. That's awesome. You know, you, you mentioned when you were talking about accomplishments was, was relationships. And then you talked about another thing you just said that kind of leading into this next question, um, that some teams gave you a little more grace. Um, and I think there's a reason for that because like you, you kept saying that they saw value. Um, one of the things I came across again in, in preparing was the term spiritual advisor came up more than once. You know, if I do a Google search on Reggie Hodges and I read article after article, many of them will say he's like the spiritual advisor in the locker room. Um, so that says a lot about relationships and why people would give maybe a little more grace. So talk about, I mean, what does that look like as a player to be kind of that quote unquote spiritual advisor guy? It really, it really just looks like listening. Mm. A lot of guys are, a lot of guys are going through different stages of life. Um, anywhere in any, any locker room, there's 22 year old guys that are just got in there. Some, some are draft picks, some are free agent guys. And even in that demographic of, of, of 10 young players, the, the experience is going to be completely different. First, first, the first through fifth round draft picks, those guys are likely going to make the team. And then that seventh through the free agents guys, those guys are, you know, fighting for spots kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different, it's just a different experience. And then you've got guys that are in for three years that, they just drafted at their position, so they've got to they've got to navigate how to the young guy coming in to take my spot. We got vets that have been in for a long time. They're dealing with contract issues, and you know I'm I'm worth this, but they're trying to pay me that. And there's a whole there's just a whole lot of heavy um, emotional things that are happening to players around the game. Um, and I think what was wise of, of of me was to just kind of listen to guys. And not try to bang the Jesus drum, but just listen to guys and ask them, ask them where they're at. You know, how are you dealing with this? Like, you know, there's a couple of guys in, in Cleveland who had, had a rough go for a bit, and they're friends of mine. And, you know, one guy, one guy drafted, uh, first round draft pick, got drafted to his position. And it was like, uh oh, I mean, he's good. He's, he's going to play. Um, so we had, we, had a, we had conversations about that. Like, how are we going to like help this young man do his best while still trying to do my best kind of thing. Um, so I did, I just think, I just think the whole like culture behind like trying to help somebody just down to listening, just like and listening to what the words are saying and not waiting for your turn to talk. Um, I think that just goes a long way. That just helps, that helps develop trust, trust um, and helps develop like longstanding relationships possibly if, you know, if the, if the trust is earned uh, wisely. So uh, I spent a lot of time with guys just like asking questions and, and listening and letting them, ex- letting them expose their hearts and then kind of help them guide them in a, in, a, in a biblical perspective if they're open to it. And sometimes just listen to guys and just, you know, kind of be there for them. I think that's good. I think you hit on something that no matter, you don't have to be in a locker room to play that role. Right. Um, I think a lot of us could be um, a little more wise and, and listening more. Um I think that's a huge, huge thing that's missing in culture now. Um, you know, you talked about not wanting to 
bang the Jesus drum. I think a lot of times we'd rather bang the drum than sit and listen. Yeah, yeah, and that's you tough. Know, so it's, that's, that's really challenging. One of the things I often think of is like these guys have been told that they're the best forever. Mm. And who's actually listened to the hearts behind anything they have to say. They get assigned a value based on their skill set. They get assigned a value based on their performance and not necessarily a value assignment based on their hearts or based on their mental capacity or their willingness mm-hmm. to help or their some of those intangible things that are going to be with them forever when the sport leaves. So I think it's really, I thought that was really, really important to help guys develop in that area. Just like, where's your character at? How are you developing? What are you reading lately? These kind of things. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, oh, man, you're the best football player I've ever seen. That's going to be gone someday. What's going to be, what's going to be life-giving when that's over? Um, those, those are the things that I've always been challenged with. My dad challenged me with those things when I was growing up, uh, just trying to be a good man. Uh, I just, I just, you know, some never father figure or that kind of thing, but I just want to see people do their best. And, uh, and I felt like listening was the best way to, to, to get that done. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. That's uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think uh, we can, we can all take from that. Um, so let me ask you, this is just a, from a pure athletic standpoint, who would you say is an athlete or two you played with that just really stands out to you? Uh, Seneca Wallace. Ooh. He was a, a quarterback, played for um, the Seahawks, and then played for Green oh, Bay yeah. for a little bit. And he, 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 he wanted to play wide receiver at some point, so they needed him to. They needed him uh, to you know, return punts. He did that, and he was a phenomenal quarterback. And one of some of the other stuff, the intangible stuff, like we go play basketball and he's one of the best basketball players I've ever played with, that kind of thing. Like just a guy, he can do anything. He's going to beat you in bowling. He's going to beat you in darts. He's just that guy. Kind of thing. <laughs> so um, he, he was, I think he was the most, one of the most impressive athletes I've ever been around. And then a gentleman named Josh Gordon who's got himself mm. in some trouble off the field, but what a phenomenal athlete. If you, swing a baseball bat, dunk a basketball, and then everything he does on the field, football field, just a stellar athlete. So those are two guys that stick out. Seneca, Seneca first and then Josh. Yeah, I, I haven't heard Seneca Wallace's name in a long time, but yeah, you're right. Um, just from my vantage point, he was a phenomenal athlete. And I was, um, being here in Texas, familiar with Josh Gordon, just coming through high school and college down here, and yeah, a freak of an athlete. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned retiring from the NFL after um, – after eight years. And so you've kind of transitioned into some speaking. Um, so talk about what that looks like. And then, you know, if someone listening wanted to have you come speak in an event, how would they do that? Yeah. So I, I, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, preaching when I was in, when I was playing um, the different, you know, outreach events or, or Sunday sermons. I've done, I've done a bunch of that. Um, and I really enjoy it. There's there's nothing like being yielded to the Holy Spirit and then like allowing him to to speak to people and just being that vessel for him to use. And that's the most humbling experience that mm. I'm ever going to be a part of in my life. And I love it so much for that reason. Like when I get on stage, it's not me speaking. I'm 100% yielded and allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do and the, the, for the hearts that he that he's speaking to. So um, the, the honor that that God picks me to do that every now and again is is, is incredibly special to me, and I just love build. I just love helping encourage people and building them up. Um, so I just kind of made that a little more public. Um, that was something I'm, I'm passionate about is helping people in that regard. 
Um, so I decided to you know, build a website, uh, ReggieHodges.com, and give people the, the opportunity to, uh, to book me like that. So I do, do a lot of churches. Um, and I also do business consultations. I've, I own a gym and I've done the entrepreneur thing and I've, I've tried to keep my integrity and keep my composure and, and, and do business and from a Christian uh, perspective. Um, and, I, and I share from and I share from that experience. Um, I just enjoy it. It's just a, it's just a fun time to help build culture. Like that's one of the things that I'm really really strong in is helping develop the culture around the people that are mm-hmm. that are working. So um, that's 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 kind of where the speaking thing came from. It's just from my heart to just like love well and to serve well. That's good. I like that. I like love well, serve well. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> you also have. Um, a book called Thrive, due to be released in July. So why write a book? And then what's the central message of your book? I love it. The, um, the book came from, I was laying in bed and it was two o'clock in the morning and I just sat up and I just felt the Lord's hand on me and I just started the notes on my uh, and within an hour, I, the whole book premise, and it hasn't changed to this day. Um, and I, it, I just feel like it's it's got the hand of God on it. It's not it's not me just figuring out how to like, oh, I want to write a book and share some experience and build some credibility. I did, that wasn't the goal behind it because I'm not a strong writer, but I'm a strong speaker. And what I say, I say with passion and conviction, convey that word form. So. I was excited about it. So it's entitled Thrive and it's centered around how does an athlete who says they love God actually Mm. do that under pressure while they're playing? Because what happens is is, um, athletes will indirectly put their sport in front of God and live out of alignment while they're playing. Mm. I I just want to help realign them so they can get all of what they can get out of their athleticism. Because if there's times where you're misaligned with God, it's... God's, God's loving and he's generous and he's gracious and all these things, but he's also, he also, he's also after our hearts. He wants us to be connected to him. And when we're not doing it in a manner that he has called us to, there could be some challenges that go with that. Um, so I just wanted to help athletes um, stay connected to God and, and get rid of the idol that our sports can be. Um, some of the premises around how do we do it? Like tactically, what does that look like? It looks, it sounds really good, Reg. Like, yeah, okay, don't put anything in front of God. Got it. I've been hearing that since Bible class since I was little, right? So here's, so what I've come up with is 10 things that an athlete will go through regardless of gender and regardless of sport. Uh, they will play poorly. They will play great. It will be good teammates. There will be coaches' decisions. There will be family stuff to circle around, right? Every athlete's going to go through that. And to eat and to get to a point where you're thriving, there has to be a biblical principle met with an obstacle. Mm. Whenever we go through something well, that's when God is glorified. So what happens? Okay, so we play poorly. What happens to the athlete? Frustrated, bummed out. Can I do this? I'm tired of this. I'm mad. All from a bad game when you don't play well. Mm-hmm. Well, the biblical perspective on that would have to be grace. Because you've got to be able to give yourself a little grace or else you're going to beat yourself up and not be effective for the kingdom. 
because God needs us thriving. God needs us connected to him. He needs us walking with him fervently so we can be the hands and feet and be the body of Christ that we're actually called to be. Well, how do we do that? We figure out how to give ourselves some grace. And that's a biblical principle. When you can give yourself grace, go through a bad game, God's honored and you're thriving. Good play, right? You want to play really well. Everybody does. So when you, when you play really well, here comes the media. Here comes the pats on the back. Here comes mm-hmm. all the stuff that's really, really heavy. And I, and I, and I, you know, I'm sure I share stories about, about um, from my playing days about each of these. And so playing really good, what's the biblical principle to make sure that I'm still in alignment with humility? How do you play well and still honor God and not you get the glory for it? God gets the glory for it. So I talked about the story of that 68-yard run. I got... I got a lot of, I gained some, some, some popularity in Cleveland here because of that, you know, and I just wanted to make sure I did that well um, and didn't, didn't steal praise from God because that was a moment that he used that, that, you know, people still talk about that to this day. And if I would have courted that and not let God get the glory for it, I don't, I don't know if I would have allowed mm. me to do it. So um, the, the, the moment that you're thriving is when your situational lifestyle and a biblical principle line up and they're matched. God gets the glory. That's thriving. And I, the, the book centered around like getting athletes to do that, like change your perspective, love your sport for sure. God gave you the talent he, and, and honor, honor him with it, with you, with you putting a biblical perspective around your sport. So that's the, that's the equation of how, how to thrive in sport. Man, I love it. I love that. I think that's, um, there's so many good books out there, obviously. Um, but I, I, I like, I like the, the message you described there. And I like the, how you talked about a biblical perspective and, and kind of realigning. Um, and the word that kept popping in my head was identity. Yeah. You know, you know, it's popped in my head a couple of times in this conversation. You know, you talked about earlier about listening because all these, a lot of these athletes have always just heard how good they are, you know, so that no wonder their identity is in football. And then no wonder they can't thrive in those difficult situations. Cause all they've been told is how great they are. Yep. You know, so that's great. I love that. I can't wait. Um, you said July, right? Yeah. yeah July. All right, it's, that's good. That, 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 I think, I, I think that's needed. I, I can't wait to, um, to get my hands on that and, and uh, pass it to my, 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 my boys as well. Um, that's great. I think, I think that's good. So how do you balance all this? Um, you know, you've, you know, speaking, which probably requires some traveling business. How do you balance up with being a husband and a dad? Um, there's not a, there's not a balance to me. You go, you go all in for God and you love everybody around that. Mm. I, I, I really, I firmly believe that. Um, I think when you try to balance things, you pull away from areas that need to be strengthened and need to be strong. But when you go all in for Christ, he gives you the endurance and he gives you the purpose to thrive in every one of those relationships that's available to you. So my wife's never felt second fiddle to the NFL because I put her first, like I put where, like where God, where God has put her, um, you know, biblically. Um, same thing with the kids. I, I, I parent hard. I love my kids. I want them to be great. Um, and they're never second fiddle to anything because God's been clear about what he wants me to do and how he wants me to raise them. If anything, that got, if anything got the, the short end of the stick, it was actually the football game. Because if I wasn't tight at home, there was no way I was playing well. Me and my wife were arguing and bickering, and I carry that into the next day. I carry that into the locker room. I'm unaffected mm-hmm. in the locker room, and I'm not listening well because I'm focused on me. 
So keeping uh, keeping relationships clean and keeping relationships tight with the with the biblical model of how those relationships are supposed to be actually helped me do the best that I could do on the field. So no well, balance, good. go all in. That's good. I, I like that because you know a lot of times we do we, we focus on on the word balance. Now you're gonna have me rewrite that question for future ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I like I like it. Kind of goes with what you're talking about with your book. That whole just that biblical perspective on everything. Um, and, and you're right. Whether you're an athlete or coach or in the business world, if your life at home is screwed up, then it's gonna bleed over and affect job and in other relationships. So yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. So let me ask you, um, you, uh, you kind of went there a little bit in talking about your book, but let me ask you for um, some advice, if you will, or encouragement to us to an athlete or a coach that's listening. Athletics is a platform, you know, we can very clear can be used for good or bad, but it is a platform. So what would you say to that coach or student athlete that, is a follower of Christ wants to really maximize that platform. Like you talked about where, you know, pointing everybody to, to Jesus through what they do, whether it's coaching or playing. Yeah. I would, I would say do that through example, like, like really like live that. If it says in the Bible that obedience is, is key, obey. It says that it's time to show some humility, show it. If you're extending grace, then really extend it. If you have to forgive, then forgive. Like, just be who you say you are. There's nothing more powerful in any sport than authenticity. That's, that's, let's take that outside of sports. There might not be anything more powerful right now in interpersonal relationships than authenticity. So everybody's got a nice snapshot on Instagram and on Twitter and on, you know, everybody can sound really good, but is that really who you are? Right. I think people are longing for that. People want to trust, but it's hard to, because I don't know if that's really you, what I'm seeing on social media. Mm. I don't know if that's really you based on what you're saying. And you're saying this and you're behaving like this. Now I have a problem with, with integrity with you. So I don't know if I can trust you. So people have their guards up. And when people put their guards up, they shut down and don't share and they have to internalize things that maybe they need to share. So people go on emotional roller coasters in their own hearts because of the lack of authenticity from the people that they're surrounded by. So I would say to the athlete and to the coach, walking with God, walk with God, walk with him fervently and walk with him intentionally and be, and be bold about it, not in a way that you would have to go preach on street corners. If that's what you do. That's what you do. But sometimes it just means like, you know, I'm not going to go out tonight because, you know, Bible studies tomorrow morning or, you know, I don't want to be around that crowd. I don't want to drink. I don't want to smoke. That's just not in alignment with what I'm trying to do with my relationship with God. But like walk with that and be that. Authenticity is the key. Well, I like that. I wrote that word down because uh, you're right, man. We need that more than now, more than ever. Um, all of us, because you're right. I mean, you don't have to be on social media long to figure that out, that um, it's, it can be used for good. And, and it is, there's a lot of good in social media. I'm on it. Um, I'm not going to say I'm perfect in everything that I, I do on social media, but um, I, I think it's that, that word often authenticity is, is, is needed more now than ever because of 
the perceptions that are out there and, you know, and then we start comparing ourselves to each other and, you know, and, and you know, and if you say that you live away, then dadgummit, you better live that way. Sorry. Yeah. Cause you're right. There's, that's, there's that's a big the lack of trust right now. Yeah. That's the struggle though. That's the struggle. Yeah. That's good stuff. So what would you say, um, Reggie would be, I mean, you grew up in the church, so been around the Bible a lot. So do you have a favorite verse um, that you'd share? Or is there one, you know, that God has shown you recently that you'd share with us? Yeah, my, my life's verse is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who had no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And it just talks about the sacrifice of Jesus for my, for my sin to put me in a, in a, in a right relationship that that word righteousness is, is a big fancy Bible word. It just means in right relationship with, you know, Jesus did what he did on the cross. So I could be in a right relationship with God. He took my sin mm-hmm. for it. So I could be in a tight relationship with God. I love that so much. I mean, that's just, that's the ultimate picture of sacrifice. That's the picture of authenticity. That word again, there's a, that's the picture of friendship. That's the picture of anything that you want to see pure. Sacrifice is that, and he did that for me. And we're in, I own my life. I own my thought. I own my time. I own my perspective. I own him, uh, how I talk to my family, how I, how I run a business, how I play the game, all these things. Right. Everything stems from that one verse for me. So, um, I have a right relationship with God because of what Jesus did. And that that's going to carry the rest. That's going to carry my eternity. I love that. I love that verse. Um, that's one I've familiar with growing up in the church, but um, I was telling somebody recently that um, one of the areas where I think God is really trying to, to grow, show me to grow and pay more attention is in, in memorizing scripture. Um, in the, in the last probably two months of recording these podcasts. Um, when I ask that question, God just uses that to show me verses that, you know what, you know that one, but do you really know it, yeah, you know, to good. dig in and memorize it. So I've got a list just from the last couple of months of um, people have shared that I'm like trying to, you know, go, go through and uh, step up my game in scripture memory. And uh, that that's a good one there. Cause I, I like the way you described it too. Yeah. I love that. That's one of those things that being, I'll say, I'll say another thing of the league, the league, the league is that authenticity piece in the locker room. Like you say you're a Christian, like that's, I'm not going to say it's a tough environment Christian, but no. like they'll check you and see if your Bible knowledge is, is even up to par or do you even know, or you just call yourself a Christian because you're a player and pray and get prayer and then go play good. There's a lot of that. So I, I remember a couple guys were, were a little aggressive and they really, really challenged me. And it was like, where's this in the Bible? Where's this in the Bible? Can you recite the books of the Bible? Where's this at? What's after this? And then, you know, just like, and then throwing giant theological questions out there, you know, only Tony Evans can answer kind of things. That's but right. Like, that, that put me on, that put me on a trajectory where like, I wanted, I don't want guard. I don't want to be caught on my heels with, with, with a, who's struggling with his faith and has questions. I want to be able to at least, not that I can answer anything and be perfect, but I want to at least be able to like say, hey, there's a spot in the Bible here that you check out based on what you're kind of saying. Or you're struggling in this area, maybe check this out, that kind of thing. So I wanted to I wanted to be sharp in that area so so I could be ready to give an account whenever and whatever. Like that's in that, and that's clearly in the Bible to to be ready for that. So 
Um, I took that, I took that seriously and I took that literally. So I took a lot of time and, and spent just like finding those foundational verses, those, those, those identity verses, those, those verses that talks about who we are, those verses mm. that talks about who he is. Jesus did some of the, a, a lot of Paul's life, a lot of the struggles, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing in the NFL locker room from you know guys that were struggling with, you know, the stuff that David struggled with, the Sodom and Gomorrah stuff, the, 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 the transition from Saul to Paul, you know, guys that were used to live one way and now they got touched by the Holy Spirit and are now walking with the Lord. How do they walk away from that and go fervently for God? So there, there's, there, there were times where you, I, I really had to make sure that I was sharp so I could be uh, what God needed me to be in the locker room. So I, I, there's some of those guys that I, I think that they pushed me because it just made me closer with God. Yeah, I like that. That's good. So you mentioned um, earlier about being all in um, with God. So, I mean, clearly, and even the answer you just gave, but what does that look like? If you break that down to practical sense on a daily basis, what does that look like for you, Reggie, to be all in your walk? I mean, give us some practical ways that you apply that every day. Yeah, I think, I think it comes down to like, um, surrender daily and that, mm. and that sounds good to say I'm going to surrender but no it, it means like get my thoughts in alignment with what I've read in the text get my get my language in line with what I've read in the text get my get my spirit and my life and my everything about what I say I'm doing aligned with what I see in the Bible and try to live it um, it's challenging because life comes at us fast there's a lot of relationships that require um, our attention that maybe can divert us from, you know, walking as closely as we want to. And not every, you know, it's not, it's not all, it's not sunshine and lollipops every day. You know, sometimes there's anger. We have to deal with our own issues, but like, how do I deal with those issues in a biblical manner that would allow me to still be in alignment? And that's the goal is like, how, how closely can I walk with him? Uh, one of, one of my, one of my mentors told me I, I can walk or run with God. He's fast enough to keep up. So if I want to, I want to walk with him. We can walk. We can go slow. Or if I want to run with him, I can't outdo him. I mean, he's always going to be a step ahead of me, and he's 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 there for me, kind of thing. So uh, my choice is to run, and I want to I want to chase after God with my heart and with my soul, and it, it just shapes how I parent, and how I talk, and how I do everything. I mean, I just I want to be all in just because of that, just because of First Corinthians five twenty one, like he was all in. He did it with his life, literally. Um, and he's not asking me to do that. Not just yet, you know? I mean, to like right. love my wife well, love my kids well, great in business with integrity, go in the locker room and be a light for in a dark place. He's not asking me to do anything crazy. He's asking me to walk with him and live by his statutes. That's what it means to be all in. Well, that's good. Well, that's excellent. I, I mean, there's, I wrote down a lot, but a couple of things that really... I wrote down um, that they can get us in trouble pretty quick is thoughts and words, you know, making yep. sure our thoughts are in alignment with the, with what we just read and our words, because that's where we can really screw it up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's I mean, good stuff. There's a, there's a passage in, in Luke, I think it's six forty-five, and it talks about the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's just incredibly powerful to me. If I catch myself speaking in, in, in language or a tongue that I don't want to, I don't know what's going on in my heart. 
that's that's a that's my mouth is a is a barometer for what's happening in my heart almost. And that'll that'll give me a, that'll give us a quick check in. So uh, I'm I'm with you that, that our thoughts and our words are incredibly important. Yeah. I was just looking that up as you were talking, reading that. Um, you're right. I mean, I've used that verse, honestly. Um, I push it back on my kids, too, you know, about, hey, the way you're talking, um, the way you treat others, whether your siblings, friends, your parents, your teachers, it doesn't matter. It's a reflection of, of what's inside. Yeah. You know, how you speak to them. And, you know, and then I have to take a step back when I say that and go, okay, how I'm treating my wife and my kids that's a reflection of my heart too, you know? So that's a, yeah, that, that verse is one that, man, it checks me a lot. It's scary. <laughs> it checks me a lot. So, yeah. Hey, I know you got a lot, a lot, a lot happening, a lot going on. So I appreciate your time and uh, making this happen. And um, I look forward to, to thrive coming out soon and um, hearing more of your story through that. Thanks. Dude. I appreciate it. This is a great, this is a great one. Really, really fun to have time with you. Awesome. Thank you again to Reggie for taking time to join us and to share his story and about his journey in sports, but most of all, his his passion for living for Jesus and making Jesus known and talked about surrendering daily, chasing after God, that um, questions to ask every day are my thoughts in alignment with the Bible or my words in alignment or my It's my spirit in alignment. Just incredible encouragement. So thank you again to Reggie. And I just hope it encouraged you as much as it did me. And I ask you to share it with somebody. Um, Also, we'd love to hear from you. So go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search All In Sports Outreach. You can find out who we are, why we do what we do. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Um, opportunities to to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this. And the last thing I would say, if you're not a regular subscriber to this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to right now, click the subscribe button. There are well over 130 previous episodes. I know will encourage you, and there are so many more coming. I am so excited about what God is doing through this platform of media and just sharing more and more stories I know will encourage you. So hit the hit that subscribe button. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers, your support, and your encouragement.